You're listening to the LP Podcast. Now here's your host, Leighton Prater. So Aaron Rodgers continues to hold the NFL and everyone else alike in hostage in limbo as he decides what he wants to do. We have NFL players gambling on games. We have NBA to talk about. We got a whole host of stuff to get into here on the LP podcast. Recording this on Monday afternoon. Happy Monday to you. This is the LP podcast. I am Leighton Prater. You can listen to the show on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at at Prater Layton, at the underscore Layton Prater. That last one's on Instagram. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, all that good jazz. If you like it, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, please still share it with your friends. Like, I will just be upfront with you. If, if you don't like it, that's okay. You might find somebody that does. So if they like sports, share it. Uh, download it, download the pod, all that good stuff. Let's start in the NFL Ah, uh, there's some basketball we'll get into. I went into a Mavs, you know, went to a Mavs game this weekend. I will kind of break down uh, my experience with that, and and of course uh, all the other news going on in the NBA as well. But let's really start in the NFL. And the reason we start in the NFL, so we just wrapped up the combine last week in Indianapolis, right? And the tender deadline or the franchise tag deadline for a team to tag a player uh, is tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Why is that important? Well, it's important because if you remember, and you have been somewhat up to date in the news, Aaron Rodgers, our esteemed media stirrer, if that's a word, I don't think it is, but you know, if it is, you know, if it's not, then I want I want the trademark to it. But nonetheless, Aaron uh, decided. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I believe he went on Pat McAfee. If you don't listen to Pat McAfee, he is great. I'm, I'm a big Pat McAfee guy. Uh, but he went on McAfee and he said, I, you know, I don't really want to, uh, I don't want to draw my decision out. I want, you know, the, the Packers to, uh, you know, make sure they have time to, to get everything in order. I know we're in a bad cap situation. They are. Uh, Devontae Adams is a free agent. He might get tagged. Like, there's a lot of moving parts with this. But nonetheless, I don't want to really drag it out. So my decision will definitely come before the new league year starts. Well, that's like next week. But what's really more important is the the, the tag deadline because, like I said, you have Devontae Adams, perhaps, if not, you know, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the NFL. That guy's a free agent. Well, Green Bay's in tough shape with, the, with, with cap space right now. And, you know, they're way over the cap. You know, Aaron could potentially want a new deal. You've got Devontae, who's going to get big money. Uh, they're having to restructure deals. They're having to cut guys uh, that are key pieces for them that were the last couple of years, especially on defense. Uh, they're not going to be able to keep. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts to this. We're going to have a decision, I would imagine, from Aaron within the next 24 hours. Now, I could be wrong. And what I'm doing right now and what everybody professionally that does this uh, this is what he wants people to do, right? He wants us to talk about him. He wants us to, he wants to be in the news regardless of, and I like Aaron, but regardless of, you know, his, you know, lack of, you know, caring or how he lives in his own world or his own universe and he wants to be Zen, that's all wonderful. That's great. But we have a track record. We have enough evidence to know this guy likes being in the news. I'll give you an example. 
we all know, you know, during the draft last year, he broke, you know, the story broke from Adam Schefter from ESPN. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers could demand a trade. He's not happy with the Packers front office and the organization. We know that. We've talked about that. That That's pretty common knowledge, I would think, almost a year removed. Well, I've, let's fast forward to this past weekend. News kind of comes out that Aaron Rodgers is, quote, very torn on what to do. And that's from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, big fan of his. Uh, But that comes, right, in the middle of the combine. So we can't go one giant, you know, centralized NFL event without Aaron somehow kind of finding his way in. It maybe didn't happen on the Super Bowl, but let's be honest. We were kind of thinking it could, right? Like, we kind of anticipated that. But it's a tricky spot. But I would imagine we're going to get some type of news from Aaron soon. But the question is, what is it going to be? I've maintained that he's not leaving Green Bay. It just doesn't make sense to. And I've heard a lot of sports radio today, a lot of studio shows, some podcasts. Like, I've listened to a lot of this stuff and trying to get people's, uh, you know, some of their their thoughts, what they're hearing, because obviously I'm connected to nobody. Like, I'd, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm less than nobody when it comes to this stuff. But So I listen to people that are smarter than me and that do this for a job, right? But from everything I've kind of gathered, like, why would he leave? And I heard somebody say this today. It's kind of Green Bay or Denver. Like, yes, there's been reports of, okay, maybe the Titans, maybe the Steelers get in. Could we see the Eagles and the Dolphins kind of throw their hat in the ring? Like, without hearing what I heard today, you know, it's kind of a two-horse race between staying in Green Bay or going to Denver. I think everybody kind of knew that. Like, that's it's pretty expected. That's kind of what we probably anticipated it would be. It was going to be one of those two teams. Of course, there's a possibility for retirement, but I don't I – don't, I don't, I don't see the possibility of retirement. Now, Aaron's not a guy like, uh, you know, he's not a Tom Brady. He's not a guy who's going to play and just continue to play into his 40s. Like, I just don't imagine that. Uh, you know, Aaron is thirty going into, like, his age 38 season. Uh, next year, maybe it's age 39. So, I, I he's certainly not in his stereotypical prime, but he is coming off two back-to-back MVP seasons. So, the dude can still play at a ridiculously high level, like, Without question, a top five quarterback in the NFL. That that cannot be overstated. And frankly, there's an argument he could be top three. All of this to say, I still don't imagine there's a possibility where he leaves. I mean, is there a possibility possibility for it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would it make some sense if he decided he wanted to leave? Yeah, I, I could see why. But he's got kind of everything he wants in Green Bay, doesn't he? He's been paid. He doesn't have an owner he has to deal with. He's got his, you know, his his guy over there and Devontae. Devontae's not staying if Aaron's not there. Like even if the the Packers, you know, if Aaron leaves, he gets traded. If the Packers go ahead and sign Devontae to a long-term deal or, you know, they let's say they tag him because if Aaron's not there, Devontae's not going to want to sign a long-term deal anyway. So let's say he's tagged. Devontae's not going to want to come in and play. I just can't imagine. I'd imagine that's a holdout. Like, nah, I don't want to be here. Trade me somewhere else. Like, Aaron's not here. You're going to stick me out there with Jordan Love. We have one start in two seasons, and that wasn't a whole lot to draw away from that. Like, there was no special there. There was nothing really to that caught your eye. So I don't want to be here. But Aaron's kind of got what he wants. But, you know, in the same breath, like, people want change. People want to change. They want to move around. They want to experience new things. And Aaron's kind of a different like he's not kind of he is just a different dude like we we know that to be true we have again plenty of evidence to show us 
He's, he marched to the beat of his own drum. We know about the vaccine stuff. We know uh, this kind of hippie, you know, Zen mentality, laid back, uh, you know, approach he has really formed in the last couple of years. And again, that's completely fine. Who am I to judge somebody on how they choose to live their life and care of themselves? Nobody, I have no ability to do that. Just like nobody else does. Like, it's not up for me to decide. But facts are facts, and we can only say what our eyes tell us when it comes to people. But people want change. Like, that happens. Sometimes you've been at a place 17 years, even if you've had success. Sometimes, hey, I want to go try something different. You know, especially for NFL athletes, like, these guys don't get necessarily, again, I said this last week, Tom Brady's kind of the anomaly. I get Aaron's played 17 years, but not everybody does that. Not everybody does that. Sometimes they want to maximize. They want to try different stuff. They want to, uh, maybe they want to go somewhere so they can set up long-term, you know, investments and different business deals moving forward. It's different for their brand. They want to change their brand or their perception of them. Other times, people just want to go somewhere for the hell of it. Maybe it doesn't work out the way they want to. Maybe they're not fully 100% confident of where they would like to go or what their plan is is going to work. But damn it, they're just so willing to change. There's like, you know what, I, I'm so tired of being here. It's just old. It's repetitive. Doesn't it, There's no ill will towards the people I work with, what I've got, what these people have given me, you know, from the front office to the players to the fans to the organization. Like, there's no ill will. I just want to change. And if I'm, you know, if I'm a bad guy for doing that, then so be it. But this is what I want to go do. And there's a level that you have to respect of that if people decide to make those decisions. People are free to make choices. There's consequences to those choices, but people are always free to make the choices that they feel are best for themselves. Could Denver, could it work in Denver if Aaron went there? Uh, yeah, I think it could. Is it going to be a harder path to get where he wants to go if we're operating under the assumption that it's because he wants to win titles? Yeah. We know the AFC's better. We know the quarterback play. I mean, hell, look at the division he could potentially end up in. You've got an up-and-coming Raiders team with Derek Carr. That's a pretty good team. I know they kind of snuck into the playoffs. They had like four straight wins over non-playoff teams on like last-second field goals or whatever. But I think there's a lot of positive uh, energy and, and momentum with the Raiders organization despite kind of what happened last year with all the off-the-field stuff. Uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers who are probably primed for a better year if they can learn to start kicking some field goals. And you've still got Chief, the Chiefs and Mahomes. That, that there are I don't I can't imagine like that's a pretty stark turnaround from uh, Dan Campbell and Jared Goff in Detroit or overpaid Kirk Cousins and a brand new head coach or the Chicago Bears who have been inept for basically my entire lifetime they're just going into their second year with a quarterback and a new head coach and an aging defense and no skill guys oh and a GM and a new GM. Like, there, there's a lot of things to consider here if this is what he wants to do. Again, if he wants to do it, I'm all for it. Like, it doesn't bother me if that's what he wants to do. I think it'd be great for the league. But I just have a hard time believing his best chance, again, if we're operating under the assumption that Aaron wants to go win titles, I still have a hard time believing that it's not in Green Bay. I just don't. And we've talked about this before. Look at the path that he has to take. We just talked about the division. The division's basically locked up already every year. It has been for years. There's no Tom Brady in Tampa anymore. 
We don't really know what's going to happen with the Cardinals or the Seahawks out west. The Eagles, are they really going to stick with Jalen Hurts? The Cowboys, proven to be contenders. Now they're talking about cutting Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence. We're going to touch on that later. So now we're talking. Now we don't know about the Cowboys. Tom Brady's no longer in Tampa. New Orleans Saints, no Drew Brees, no Sean Payton. Who is the next biggest challenger that Green Bay would have to deal with outside of the Rams? Even San Francisco. We don't know if they're going to keep Garoppolo. Let's assume they're not going to. We're rolling with essentially a rookie quarterback and and Trey Lance. Now, I, I, I will also sit here and tell you, like, we've seen this firsthand. We know it to be true, and we saw this during the playoffs. San Francisco has always given Green Bay fits, but still... I, I I don't see a scenario in which Denver would be the optimal landing spot for Aaron Rodgers to finish out his career and win Super Bowls. We've seen guys do it. I get the argument behind, hey, veteran quarterbacks leave, they go win the Super Bowl. Look at Tom, look at Peyton Manning, look at Matt Stafford. He just did it. Yeah, that's all reasonable. I, I don't disagree with any of it. But every situation is different. And if we don't contextualize it, then we are doing a disadvantage to ourselves and putting everything into a vacuum. Are there templates, are there blueprints that people can follow who uh, people who have had success and they want to do something similar? Yeah, that's how you that's how you become successful. Unless you're a true pioneer and pioneer and trailblazer, you follow other people's blueprints and template of success. I don't know. But it's something worth considering. Do I think he would look good in Denver? Yeah. I do. Wouldn't you? I mean, look, I mean, but I, and I said this last week. How much faith that he would actually work in Denver? They have a new head coach. I get the guy. I get they like the guy. He's got a football background. Nathaniel Hackett. He was his OC in Green Bay with the Packers. I understand all that. Name me the last time Denver has had success instead outside of twenty five years ago when they had Elway at the end of his career in that like four year stretch with Peyton Manning. Name me the success that they've had. I can run you through the quarterbacks right now off the top of my head. I don't even have anything on my computer to look at. Just based off memory, Brock Osweiler, Jake Plummer, solid, Kyle Orton, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Baxton Lynch. Where's the the lineage of success? John Elway has shown no propensity to be able to draft a quarterback. It does mean they don't have a good team. There's a lot of things to like about Denver. They've got skill guys everywhere. The defense is typically always very good. The offensive line is passable. It all works. And the only argument you could make against him going back to Green Bay would maybe be, well, is there a lack of talent? Like a lack of, is it kind of top-heavy? Devontae, yeah. Aaron Jones, great. Back to Yari, the left tackle. When he's healthy, sure. Wasn't really healthy last year. Uh, they've done a great job in giving him a defense in the last couple of years in Green Bay. But like I said, to open this, they're having to cut a lot of those guys because they're expensive and they're so far over, their, over the cap. They're having to cut Zadaria Smith. He had back surgery. I get that. They were without Jair Alexander most of the year with an injury. Understand that. But in terms of skill guys, who do they have outside of Devontae and and Aaron Jones? Alan Lazard, solid. Marquez Valdez-Scanling, okay. Randall Cobb, old, expensive, even though Aaron likes him. And Aaron's the reason he's there. That's another reason. Aaron's got a lot of power when it comes to this stuff. Otherwise... What GM is going to say, yeah, we'll go ahead and trade like a second round pick for an aging, you know, $14 million a year wide receiver. Yeah, we'll do that. That seems like a good business decision. Nobody's doing that (laughs) unless you're Aaron Rodgers and you have that equity built up and that trust built up or because you have your organization by the, uh, the lower fortitude area. 
But, I mean, outside of that, what do they really have? They don't really have a tight end. I mean, go back and look at, you know, that last playoff game they played against against San Francisco, and they got beat. They had one offensive touchdown. It was the first drive of the game. It was completely scripted. Aaron Jones punched it in. Once they started doubling Devontae Adams, who did he throw it to? Like, go again. That last drive that they had with the ball in that game, he decided to go deep down the field to a double Devontae Adams, and he had an open, I believe it was Alan Lazard, open right in the middle of the field. Like, we, these are all things we've seen and heard. And some would say, well, it's trust. He doesn't trust these guys. Maybe that's a big component of it. But you know how you have to trust those guys? They have to have that level of production. This is not to say that those guys aren't talented or capable NFL players. They are. They've proven as much. But star quarterbacks, for lack of a better term, divas, guys who have that equity, they've got to have guys they trust. And guess what? It's the general, it is the organization's responsibility to take care of that. It's a two-way street. I think there was a time when people criticized Aaron Rodgers for being like, well, he's kind of a loner. He doesn't really get along with anybody. Like, he's got his guys. Yeah, there's some of that. But Aaron's also done a very good job of being, you know, getting a lot, being ingratiated by his teammates. He gets along with a lot of his guys. Like, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers and p- players come out and talk about him, they love him. Greg Jennings aside, whatever. Well, when former players or current players with the Packers come out and talk about Aaron Rodgers, they love him. You don't hear anybody doing that about Kyler Murray last week. I, we talked about that. You know, we talked about that last episode. Nobody's coming out and saying that about Kyler Murray right now. But they say it about Aaron. So is there maybe a lack of depth in terms of talent with the Packers? There could be. There could be, but really what are their, you know, they've done a good job. We could always go back and look at the Jordan Love pick. Like, wow, they traded up to get a first-round quarterback. Now he may not play for three years. Was it a wasted pick? It could have been. It could have been. Yeah. But that's the risk that you take. You had an aging quarterback at the time who had had a down year by his standards. He was getting into his late 30s. He has missed time with injury. It was the smart move to do. Because in reality, let's say that Aaron doesn't win back-to-back MVPs. Let's say he steadily gets worse and Jordan Love comes in and then he's actually a capable quarterback and we can see potential there. Is anybody crapping on the Packers for that pick today? No, probably not. What if instead of drafting Jordan Love, they did draft a wide receiver and it didn't work? Then what? Are we crapping on the Packers for that pick? I would imagine we're probably not. You know why? Because, hey... At least they drafted a wide receiver. Haven't done it forever. There's no point in Aaron leaving Green Bay. But if he decides to, I'm for it. I'm all for it. I want to see what happens. I'd love to know what happens. Big news today, and this happened while I was uh, while I was on campus. I had class today because I'm a college student. You know, college-like things, trying to soak it in before it all goes away and I have to be a real adult. Um, anyways. Calvin Ridley. <clears throat> now, if you're not familiar with Calvin Ridley, uh, played at Bama uh, under Nick Saban, uh, drafted by the Falcons, really explosive, dynamic uh, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Had some good years. Um, did not play this last season because uh, he was off their active roster because of th- some personal things he was going through. So he didn't play this year. News broke today that he has been suspended uh, for the entire 2023 season for betting on games in the NFL while he was not on the active roster. Now, 
there's a lot to go through here, so you're going to have to bear with me as I kind of go through my Twitter feed here and make sure I get a lot of this right. But a rough estimate is Calvin basically was betting, I believe it was three, five, and 18 parlays, essentially, right? And now listen, I've told you before, I'm not the most knowledgeable when it comes to the ins and outs of gambling and how that happens. But Calvin's gambling on these, right? And the Falcons were a part of, were included to win on one of those. Now, the league has said that he had, you know, he's maintaining that he had no inside knowledge. He wasn't around the team. He did it in Florida. He did it through a betting app or a betting book, Hard Rock in, in Florida. That happened. They notify the uh, organization that kind of monitors this stuff for the NFL. That gets through to the back to the league. They figure it out. They open an invest- investigation on no, in November. The Falcons are notified on in February. Calvin was expected, you know, Ridley was expected to be a pretty, pretty sought after piece in the trade market, right? And the Falcons, and it's now come out today since a lot of this is broke, Falcons obviously were not willing to negotiate in deals because they knew this was going to happen. And quote unquote, good faith, as a lot of people have reported, they did not trade him or even engage in discussions because... They knew this was going to come down the pipeline. He was going to mess out, right? So <clears throat> the most interesting part of this to me, and I think it's funny, and some people might not, but I, I've i got some opinions on this, and they are believe they're, they're pretty well found. And if I can get to them here, you'll have to just give me a second. I will get here. But this is what I don't get. So this is from Calvin Ridley directly on Twitter. And we'll break all this down. So... About two hours ago, again, this is 5 o'clock, you know, Monday afternoon. Gallon really tweeted, uh, I bet about fi- I bet $1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem, close quote. I couldn't even watch football at that point, close quote. It's another tweet. Quote, just, g- just going to be more healthy when I come back, close, close quote. <clears throat> I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, one year, LOL, in terms of the one-year suspension. His final tweet was, if you know me, you know my character. Okay. This isn't helping your case. This is not. And the gambling thing is really, really sticky because I'm not old enough to remember when gambling in sports and leagues talking about it was taboo. Like, you couldn't say it. I'm not old enough to remember that. I'm just not. No, plenty of people that are. But I, I, I haven't grown up in that. In reality... I've grown up when gambling's a little more accepted. I mean, Jesus, look at all the sports books that have deals with these leagues now. You can bet live in real time in NFL stadiums. And so for everybody to say, well, wow, look at the league, you know, suspending a guy for one year for gambling when they have, you know, all these, uh, they have all these sports books, you know, these deals lined up. Yeah. It's true. Do you know what you can't do, though? As a player, you cannot, as an active player who is still a part of an organization, whether you're on the active roster or not, you cannot bet on the league you play in. You cannot bet on the team that you're affiliated with. It can't happen. It just can't. It, is it a sticky situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But Calvin, what are you doing, man? You're not helping yourself. You can't just go out and, and, like, this is not helping. This doesn't look good. I don't think anybody's accusing him of having a gambling problem. But do you know what he just forfeited when he made that, you know, 
he bet fifteen hundred dollars, and they said the league, you know, the report from Adam Schefter said it took place over a five day stretch. Uh, yeah, we'll believe that. Whatever. I mean, why wouldn't we believe that? Sure. The, from that, what I gather, and I've heard a lot of people say this, and it, it does. There's some validity to it, I think, in terms of logic. The league wants you to believe this is an isolated incident. There's not a lot of this going on. There's not players doing this. This just happened one time. It was a little, you know, thing, whatever. We have to set a precedent. They do have to set a precedent. I would agree with that. I don't, A, I don't believe this is an isolated incident. And B, you're a fool if you don't think that there's other players doing this who saw this news today and went, I wonder if I'm next. wonder if I'm next. But this this can't happen. And how many... I mean, this is already the second story this offseason in the NFL. We've had to talk about the integrity of the game. Think back to Miami Dolphins. Stephen Ross, owner, willing to pay since departed head coach Brian Flores $100,000 per loss in 2019 to get the number one overall pick. Think about that. That's now the second story we're having to deal with. But for everybody said, wow, Cal, you know, Calvin's a victim. No, he's not. Calvin made his choices. He made a $1,500 bet. You know what he lost? He lost $11 million in salary this upcoming year. That's what happened. Like I just said a second ago, people make their choices. There's consequences to those choices. He's an adult. He made a choice. He, he admitted as much just now through a series of tweets. I knew it was wrong, but it's just a year, right? Like, what? what is that? You know what this is? This is, <clears throat> and I, for the people that do listen to the show, you know, whether it's four of you or it's 400, I'm pretty sure that number probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, for those of you that are older, listen to this. Um, there's an expression called tweeting through it. <clears throat> and what tweeting through it is for my uh, my older members of the audience that listen, that is basically when you are going through something that uh, it's taking place in your personal life or whatever, and your only way to kind of vent and get that out is on Twitter. So you just tweet through it. You just kind of tweet till you get all your feelings out and then you're good, you're over it, you're taken care of. Um, that might work for, you know, somebody like me, maybe, but I kind of can't necessarily do that anymore given where I'm at and, and the, the current role and where I want to go with my career. I can't necessarily tweet through things. Same thing applies to Calvin Ridley. The problem is Calvin's actually an established professional athlete with a following and he's a professional, and I'm a college kid who is just trying to find his way in his career. So I can still kind of get away with it. Gowan's a public figure who just got busted for gambling on NFL games uh, along with the team that he's affiliated with, and he just forfeited $11 million. <clears throat> what are we doing? Not to mention, he bet on the Falcons to win. That alone deserves some type of punishment. But the league, there has to be some type of precedent set now. And for everybody that says, well, Roger Goodell, you know, the with all the domestic violence things that happen, I don't like the way the league handled a lot of that. Personally, I don't. It's a long time ago. I was still kind of a kid. You look back on it now. Of course, you kind of look at yesterday's issues through today's lens, so it might be a little skewed. I don't like the way the league handled a lot of stuff with Ray Rice. Got a four-game suspension. I don't like the way they handle domestic violence stuff. Not all the time. But you got to stop this now. This is the this is the problem, the biggest issue on the NFL's plate right now, today. There will probably be another one tomorrow or six months from now. But they have to set a precedent now. And the league will tell you, 
Yeah, they probably didn't handle a lot of that, a lot of those domestic violence cases properly. They probably didn't come down as swiftly as they should have. But they have a chance to now on something that I'm not going to say is equally as important because it's not in real in real life. But in terms of integrity of the game and the quality of the game, yeah, this is as big as it gets. They have to set a precedent. Do I think he should be banned for life? No, that's dumb. I, I would ban him for life. People make mistakes. Like I said, people make mistakes. You know, people have choices. Sometimes those choices have consequences. But guess what? People deserve a second chance too. He's not going to be suspended from the league forever. He's not going to be kicked out of the league. He'll play football again, and he should. He should. Whatever he's got going on that forced him to miss football last year in his personal life or his mental issues, that he, you know, his mental health that he's working through, please take your time. I agree. People deserve that time within reason. But at the end of the day, it's also a business. Kid made a mistake. Happens all the time. But I have always been told growing up, listen, by my parents, my mom especially, and I don't know if she listens to this. I hope to God my mom listens to this. But if she doesn't, I understand. I, I really wouldn't want to listen to me talk all the time either because I I do pester her. But the one thing she has always told me, it's always stuck with me, is like, listen, you want to be an adult, that's fine. But eventually there's going to be decisions that you make that have consequences that we can't save you from, that you will have to deal with on your own. I give you exhibit A. I'm not comparing a professional athlete to me at 21 years old recording a podcast in my closet. Like that That's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is people do make mistakes. People will have to pay the consequences for those mistakes. In a perfect world, they should. They don't always, but in this case, he will. And he should be given a chance to rectify it. But the first step to doing that is not, you know, tweeting through it as the news breaking. Like, it... Really, really weird thing to see the news break. You see all the reaction, all the jokes, things like that, you know. And then you've got the guy at the center of it all tweeting through it. It's funny. It's really, really funny. Last NFL topic of the day. Last NFL topic of the day. Uh, Dallas Cowboys fans. Hi. How you guys been? Uh, In the last week, right? So... Report comes out that it looked as though Cowboys are probably going to cut Amari Cooper if they couldn't trade him in order to save salary cap space and then turn around and re-sign Michael Gallup. Let's start there. Um, This is why you don't pay Ezekiel Elliott two years early. This is why you don't do it. I'm sure that's not an original take. I've heard it several times today, but I felt that way for a while. This is vindication. This is why you don't overpay when it's not necessary. It wasn't a good business deal then. It sure as hell isn't now. It's just not. Even paying Dak $40 million a year, going rate, fine. Do I want to pay him Mahomes money? Not really. That seems archaic, but you know what? Whatever. Franchise quarterback, you don't just don't typically grow on trees. You had him on a bargain forever. You know, whatever. Even though I didn't necessarily agree with the whole idea, well, you got him on the cheat forever. He was underpaid. Now you got to overcompensate for all that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Again, it's a business. You don't have just because you got somebody on the cheap doesn't mean you have to overcompensate them now. No, you don't. You pay somebody what they're worth. Dak was a fourth round pick for a reason. Let me say that again. Dak Prescott 
coming out of Mississippi State, was a fourth-round pick in 2016 for a reason. It is not the Cowboys' job to pay him back for that because he developed into a great quarterback. Not their point, not their place. They chose to do that anyways because this is how Jerry and Steven do business, whatever. But then you have to make decisions like this. I'm not here to tell you that Amari is a bad receiver. I think he's great. I don't think he's a top 10 receiver, and he's paid like a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I don't necessarily like all the play calls that Dallas has gone through. I got a lot of Cowboys friends uh, friends that are fans. One of my best ones, I used to work with him, talk to him every day. He, I've watched him pull his hair out over Cowboy games constantly. I watched him shout profanity in a restaurant one time a couple months ago. It was awesome and also horrifying. I don't always like how the Cowboys handle business. I don't always like how they do their thing, do their operation on the field. We've talked about that at length. And if I imagine if you're a fan and you're a level-headed one, you probably agree. I don't think Amari is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I don't. But you overpaid him. But now this is where it gets tricky because now your plan, <clears throat> instead of just trying to trade him and keep it internalized and not leak it to the media, you've now let it be known you're going to cut him, but you're going to try to trade him. And if you can't trade him, then you're going to cut him anyways. Explain to me where the incentive is for a team now that's going to want him to give up assets. There are no, there, you have no leverage anymore. <laughs> You gave it away on a Friday. And the reason it gets out, and I've heard this, again, friendly plug. He doesn't need it. Listen to Colin Cowherd every day. One of the first things I ever heard him say when I was when I was you know, a kid, whatever. Listen to him for a long time. One of the first things I've ever heard him say, something only gets leaked if somebody wants it out. So who wanted it out in this case? Was it? Was it Amari? Did they come to him and ask him for a pay cut? And he said, no, nah, I don't want that. So he had his agent leak it? It's possible. I, I can't imagine the Cowboys imagine that that would be good business to put it out there that, hey, we're going to cut him, but we're also going to try to trade him. If we can't trade him, we're just going to cut him anyways. Okay, well, why would anybody have any incentive to trade with you now? Why would they give something up to get him if he's just going to be in the open market in a couple weeks anyways? That's pointless. On top of that, you're going to cut Amari or trade him to make room for Michael Gallup, like Michael. I like Michael Gallup. He's a cool dude. I've never met him, but he's a good player. But he is not Amari Cooper because he doesn't stay on the field. If you look, go back and look at their numbers, I don't have them in front of me. But if you break those numbers down, um, they're not the same. And now I've seen reports that they're over the weekend that they're moving towards a long-term extension at about 6 to $8 million a year. All right, that's fine. That's fine. But when you handicap yourself and you handcuff yourself and you cash strap yourself with bad deals like the Jalen Smith contract or the Zeke contract or the Amari contract. And do you know the funniest thing about the Amari contract is that when they signed it in like, what was this, March or April of 2020, like right when COVID hit, a uh, guy that works for Dallas Morning News, I believe, uh, Michael Gilkin, had a story on this. Eventually, they knew they would have to do this. They knew it would come down to this. What successful person puts himself in that situation? I understand loyalty. I do understand loyalty. I do. I get it. But professional sports and business, there can, it can only go so far. 
there can only be so much of it before it just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, there's still a business to run. You overpaid maybe probably a top 20 wide receiver and you gave him top 10 money. Didn't get the production you wanted out of him. And now you're just going to get basically give him away for nothing. And I will remind people, and I probably don't have to, when Amari came to Dallas, they traded a first-round pick for him. When he got here, he was great with Dak. He was really good for Dak. But kind of like the Cowboys as a whole, they're just kind of stale anymore. And I've seen you know people clamoring for, well, it's the way the way that they use him. They don't use him like uh, like Debo Samuel. Well, I'm not going to put him in, you know as a running back, but just in, ter- in how they use him. Again, that kind of goes back to the play calling. That's a separate discussion. But this is just kind of who the Cowboys are. They're just weird. I mean, my God, Mike McCarthy at the Combine last week having to answer questions about Sean Payton taking his job again. Only Dallas. Only with the Joneses. Did this crap happen? It's bad business. It just is. Now you have something out today. Again, Monday afternoon. Cowboys asked the Marcus Lawrence to take a pay cut. He said no. Uh, yeah, of course he did. You know why? Because you gave him the money. Why would he say, why would he give it back? You gave him the money. Are there some instances where it's it's a good idea to maybe take a restructure or maybe take less so you can have more around you? Yeah, but after you've already given him the money, why the hell would he give it back to you? He's already got it. It's already on his contract. So now what are you going to do? Are you going to have a disgruntled star? Are you going to try to trade him and cut him too? Because I think if you cut Amari and you cut DeMarcus, you're looking at about $39 million in cap savings. Yeah, that's, that's good. But you're going to need to draft. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Dallas is doing. And I typically don't ever, and I don't think many people do. But it's bad business. And we really shouldn't expect anything less from Jerry, from Steven, from the front office. And that's not to say that the Cowboys aren't typically pretty well run. They don't get as much credit as I think they should because they draft really well. They're very buttoned up. I mean, my God, they're worth six, you know, six and a half billion dollars. They're the most profitable sports franchise in the world. So they they're doing something right. But when it comes to certain deals and it, where it gets tricky with them is they do a lot of things right. Where they back themselves into a corner, and this comes from Jerry. This comes from Jerry. The loyalty that they show to players bites them in the ass constantly did it with Jalen Smith did it with Zeke could happen with Dak it's happening with Amari and it's happening with Demarcus Lawrence that is what always gets the Cowboys in trouble all right some NBA talk to wrap up we're already at about 40 minutes and if you're still sticking around at this point thank you you're so nice you're so kind for doing that but Personal story, and I will get out of everybody's hair. Uh, I went to an NBA game this weekend, right? Went and saw the Kings and the Mavs, and haven't been to an NBA game in probably since I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, but I wanted to go because I haven't been in a while, and I wanted to plan a date with uh, me and my girlfriend. And so I surprised her, you know, told her we were going one place, and the day of, I left, you know, and got her a shirt and told her we were going. She was very happy about it. I was very proud of myself because uh, I'm told, uh, not only by her, but by my mom, that I'm not great at planning dates, and my younger brother is very good at it. He just has a knack for it, and I don't. But anyways, plan a date, right? Uh, To start, I told myself, listen, I know it's going to be expensive, 
But I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to be able to reach up and touch the ceiling of the American Airlines Center. I don't want to do that. I don't want to touch the tile. Like I know we're going to be sitting third deck and get all that. But I, I don't necessarily, like I don't want to be the absolute last row. So I spent uh, a good chunk. I, I won't disclose how much I spent, but if you've gone to an NBA game, then you, you know it's not cheap. So you kind of know what I'm talking about. Buy the tickets. <clears throat> I was in section 326, row T. Get to the game after getting parked and all that. That's a whole other fiasco. I'm very accustomed to parking at like, you know, Globe Life Field in Arlington. It's a little bit easier. I've been there more times. I know how, I know how it works. This is a little bit different because I've never done it. Get parked, walk in, take our pictures. Got to have it. <clears throat> uh, go to the top. Like, all right, section 326. This is where we're at. So we go up, and you have the lettering on at the first seat of every row. So I'm like, okay. Um, keep going up. Okay. L-M-N-O-P. Okay. Keep going. Oh, there's T. Oh, it's the last row, and I can touch the ceiling of the American Airlines Arena. So I was very, I was very unhappy. I was not happy about that at all. I was like, all right, fine. You know what? We're here. She's happy. It's going to be a good game. Whatever. Let's do that. Now, <clears throat> I bought these last Thursday. We went this past Saturday. The next day, <clears throat> I get on Twitter. And I get on Twitter and I see that Luka Doncic is questionable to play Saturday against the Kings. Wouldn't you know it? When I get to my row T seat and I am touching the ceiling, I look over or rather down at the Jumbotron and I see, ah, Luca's not in the starting lineup. Well, that stinks. Like literally, like I was like, all right, well, I paid this money. I got up here. I'm happy I got the seats, but they're not exactly what I thought I was going to get. Nonetheless, still very happy, very grateful to be able to be in a position to spend that amount of money and still go and have a good time. Now I'm here and now Luca's not even playing. <clears throat> and I, NBA is hard. They don't do as many back-to-backs anymore. It's a long, grueling schedule. I get all that. He had just played a hell of a game against the Warriors at home. They just had a big West Coast swing last week where they came back and beat the Warriors in San Francisco. Then they go to L.A. and beat LeBron and the Lakers. And then, of course, he comes home and plays Warriors again. Great game. Close that one out. He's probably not going to play a Saturday afternoon game against Sacramento. I understand all that. But forever, I've always heard, like, you know, why people don't, why people dislike load management. And the argument I always heard was, like, you know, people will take their families of four or five or whatever. They spend all this money, then you get there, and then, you know, the main attraction, you know, the guys you want to see aren't playing. You know, especially if you've got a visiting team coming in, and that might be your only chance to see that guy for, excuse me, you've, that's your only chance to see that guy for the year, and he's not playing. Well, now you spend all this money. You're still at the game. It's still going to be a good time, but you're not. You're not really getting what you came for. That kind of stinks. That really never resonated with me until I was actually in that position. It's like, mm, now I get it. Like, I get it now. I, again, this, my point in telling this is not because uh, I was unhappy with how the day went. I was very, very happy. Like, it was the Mavs won. They were down most of that game. You know, three seconds to go. You know, I believe it was within, like, five minutes, you know, Mavs come back, they get the lead, uh, they go back and forth with Sacramento a little bit. Dorian hits you know, the corner three with three seconds left to kind of ice the game. Great game, like a lot of fun. Um, but I get it now. Like I get when, when people talk about, yeah, we don't like load management because it's unfair to the fans. And it's a double-edged sword, right? Because, again, like I said, it's an 82-game season. You've got like two months of playoffs. These, there's, you know, It's a lot. Like the travel is tough. I understand all of it. 
So you try to take that into consideration. But man, when you make the financial investment like that, and it's not something you typically do, and then you can't see the guy you want to see play like that, that stings a little bit. Um, but it's fun. And, you know, when you go to an NBA game, and I have a lot more experience going to, you know, going to baseball games. I'm a baseball guy. I like the atmosphere of baseball. It's just cool. It's laid back. It's open. It's spacious. Uh, like, I, it's my sport. So that's why I like going to it. But NBA games are fun on a totally different level. Uh, and what's weird is like the first half, like everybody's kind of semi-engaged, but not really like, you know, it's kind of lackadaisical. And then, you know, midway through the third quarter, people like, you just kind of look around, everybody's care. Everybody cares now, especially if it's close. Like if you're within 10, 15 points, like people are, they start to kind of pay attention and really start to ramp up, uh, their level of, of interest like that. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. And it's just a different environment because it's it's a different crowd. Like it's it, typically it's a little more of a younger crowd. Um, you know, it's it's just a different environment, and it's cool to go and see it uh, because it is more fast paced once you get towards the end, especially if it's a close game. Uh, there's a sense of urgency for the most part. Um, there's a lot more going on. Like it's more of an enclosed environment, so it's loud. Like there's there's just a lot of different things that go into it, opposed to a a, a Rangers game. We go to a Rangers game, especially right now when they're not great. Like that's kind of difficult to get really get involved with that. Like baseball can still be very exciting, but it's in short spurts. NBA games, in my you know experience, are you know first half. You might have some some pockets where there's a lot going on. You have a fast break. Some you know teams get on the scoring drive or whatever, kind of going back and forth. But for the most part, it's kind of just yeah. After halftime. It's pretty much balls to the walls until the buzzer beater, you know, until the buzzer sounds, unless it's just a complete blowout, then that sucks altogether. So it's much more of a high ceiling, low floor baseball, kind of the same way, but I don't know. Like it it was fun. It was fun to get to go and do that. Um, But yeah, you know, you pay that kind of money. I I would prefer not to be sitting on the last row possible in the arena. Uh, but I had fun and I thought it was cool. And uh, I don't typically share stories like that on here. And mostly because people don't care. And if I had to guess, people won't care about me telling this. But I wanted to get it out. And it's a way to get some NBA talk in. And, uh, you know, just a whip around around the NBA. Like, listen, yeah, LeBron put up 56 against the the Warriors on Saturday night. That's cool. That's that, that's great. Good good for LeBron. Good for the Lakers. But is it helping him get into the playoffs? Like I don't know. Uh, maybe. But this we've talked about the Lakers so much, and now that I'm getting into it, now I kind of want to go into rant. And I heard this today. I heard a little bit of this today, and there's a lot of validity to this. And it boils down to like, listen, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, I've seen the Lakers win two championships that I remember. I remember Kobe's last one against the Celtics. Remember the last one he won. And I remember the bubble one like two years ago with LeBron and Rondo and AD and Dwight Howard and, you know, it, Kuzma, you know, Kuzma. I remember all that. Like that was two years ago. Uh, I've seen the Lakers win two titles in my lifetime. Everything in between has been a hot steaming pile of garbage. Like everything in between. Like towards the end. They tried that weird thing with like Steve Nash and they had Dwight Howard and Kobe was at the end and uh, it just got weird. And then after that to when they totally ripped it down to the studs and they had a bunch of nobodies out there. And, you know, you had Kobe with the torn Achilles and then the front office gave him a giant two-year extension, which made no business sense. It's very cowboy-like. It's kind of what the Cowboys do. And I think 
the reason I draw that parallel is because what do we know to be true about the Cowboys and the Lakers? What we know to be true with them is they're the biggest brands in their respective sports, right? Like, there's no bigger brand than the NBA or really basketball globally than the Lakers. In football, there is nobody bigger than the Dallas Cowboys. What do they have in common in the last 10 years? A lot of mediocrity, a lot of bad business deals, a lot of bad, you know, free agent signings, trades, a lot of front office dysfunction. I mean, it's very clear with the Lakers. I mean, think about all the former Lakers they have spurned, basically. Jerry West, um, Phil Jackson doesn't really come around. Like, they've burned a lot of, you know, they don't, I mean, think about Jerry West, you know, Jerry Jones. Gil Brandt wasn't there for a long time. Jerry Jones, you know, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson didn't get along for the longest time. For years, that just kind of iced up. Bill Parcells doesn't really have a connection to them anymore. Like, all these things kind of add up. And my point in saying this is that when you have two giant brands, there is a lot of ego because people will cover them regardless. I mean, how many times do you turn on ESPN, Fox, uh, your local radio station, you listen to a podcast, you get on Facebook? How much of it is Lakers and Cowboys driven? Like almost all of it. Like every morning radio show you get on, they're going to talk about the Cowboys and they're going to talk about the Lakers. Without a doubt. The ego and the power of the brands like the Lakers and the Cowboys, there's a lack of self-awareness, which enables them to sign bad deals like Ezekiel Elliott or give Kobe Bryant, my favorite player growing up, a two-year, like $65 million extension at age 36 when he's coming off of a torn Achilles. Like, smart smart businesses don't do this. Businesses who don't have that margin of error don't do that. But my point with the Lakers is... In between the title, Kobe's last title against Boston, which is like 2009, and then their most recent title with LeBron and AD in the bubble during COVID, there was nothing in between. There was a lot of nothing in between. Like, you, and if you're on Twitter and you're my age and like, and you, you follow basketball or you like sports, like, you see a lot of this stuff too, where they'll show screen grabs or screenshots from Lakers, you know, starting lineups from like, 2014 and you don't recognize anybody on that roster like no you there's nobody you recognize on that team at all are we sure like they struggled for years nobody says anything like yeah we talk about oh lakers haven't been good but this is kind of like big brands can kind of get away with this like look at how bad the knicks are Look at how bad, like, people still love the Knicks. Now, granted, none of them are from, like, grew up within, like, the last, were born in the last 20 years. But the Knicks still have one of the most passionate fan bases in in sports. And they haven't won a title since before my parents were born. (laughs) And my parents are in their mid-40s. They haven't been relevant. I mean, yeah, they had, like, you know, the the Patrick Ewing years or, you know, they had the Mellow years there for a little bit. But just... They haven't been anything, and people still love them. And it's such an interesting thing to look at when you look at fans. Like, they're so—it doesn't matter. Like, look with me. I've been a Dodgers fan my whole life. The Dodgers went bankrupt when I was a kid. They were terrible. They were terrible for a a big stretch. Now, have I been a little spoiled in, in like, the last 10 years? Uh, Yes, clearly. I mean, how many division titles, World Series appearances, uh, you know, Pennants, like all this kind of stuff. But I remember when they were bankrupt. I remember they didn't have anything. Because the Dodgers went through a big stretch when they weren't really, they weren't relevant. 
they're in LA. I get that. There's a lot to go. There's a lot going on in LA. You've got to be great to hold people's attention. But even the Lakers, they still held people's attention in LA, even though they sucked. So whatever they do moving forward, whatever they do, and I've heard this before, and there's some validity to it. LeBron never really felt like a Laker to me. Like that, I could be wrong in saying that, but LeBron's never really kind of felt like a Laker. Like, yeah, it kind of made sense. Okay, game's biggest star, game's biggest brand, put them together, it's going to be perfect. No, not exactly. Because if you go back to his first year there, they were terrible. Because he got there and it was a bunch of weird veteran parts around the young guys like Lonzo Ball and Kuzma and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart. They packaged a lot of those guys, sent them together, and got AD The after that season. That season was over. Come back next year, win the title. Granted, it's a weird season. That was the COVID year. That was Anthony Davis's first year. They looked really good. Then they were off for four months and then came back, won the title, come back the following year in the abbreviated season, and nobody can stay healthy because LeBron is a 1,000 years old and Anthony Davis has never been reliable in his life in terms of staying healthy on the court. Come back this year, they signed everybody over the age of, like, 37. Like... Look at that roster back when they put this team together in August. Look at that roster and tell me, oh, yeah, that person's a lock to play 55 games. Outside of LeBron, who else was it going to be? Nobody. They were doomed from the start. But you know what? Nobody cares. Like, people care. People still go to games. People will still talk about them. You know why? Because they're relevant. People like me will will still talk about the Lakers, even if they suck. You know why? Because people care. The same reason people talk talk about the Cowboys. You know why? Because people care. Whether you love them or you hate them, or they are a dynasty or they're a dumpster fire, people will always care about the Lakers and the Cowboys. That is just how it goes. Death, taxes, Nokia phones surviving the apocalypse, and people always wanting to hear about the Lakers and Cowboys. Things that will never, never, never go away. All right. I'm going to get out of here. Have a great week. Appreciate you guys listening. This has been the LP Podcast. I'm Leighton Prater. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show's pages on Twitter and Instagram. If you like the show, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, share it anyways. Just share it anyways. Like You're helping me. If you like me, then share it. If you don't like what I do, that's fine. But still, don't think of what I put out. Just think of me and think of how much you like me. If you don't like me at all and you don't like the show, I'm sorry. Nonetheless, this is the LP Podcast. I'm Leighton Prater. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.